This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. The state health department considers a county has high disease activity when they have 75 cases per 100,000 residents. Well, King County has already crossed that threshold in the past few weeks. Dr. Jeff Duchin is the county's public health officer. We're having over 140 cases reported each day over the past week. This is more than twice what we saw in late September. Pearson and Snohomish counties are on track for high disease activity too. All three counties now recommend schools pause any plans to reopen. And at the University of Washington. We here at the UW have not been immune to the damage. University of Washington President Anna Marie Kause giving her annual address this week as the COVID-19 outbreak on Greek Row at the university is up to 243 students. They're quarantining together, and so they figure since they're all stuck here together for two weeks, it's okay to party within the house. And guess what? It's not. That outbreak is spread across 16 fraternities and sororities, but there are signs of slowing down. UW's Greek Row reported two new cases on Monday, just two. At the peak, it saw more than 70 cases in a single day. Governor Jay Inslee has announced that five counties that were still in a modified phase one are now moving to phase two. Benton, Chelan, Douglas, Franklin, and Yakima counties will be allowed to hold more business activity because of this change. But Inslee says this does not mean there are imminent changes coming to the phases of other counties. Although we have made tremendous progress, better than 45 other states, we now are seeing an uptick to some dimension. We hope it's temporary, but we got to keep our eye on the ball. All Washington counties are now in phase two or three. And now it's time to go to the model and see what it says. Dr. Ali Mokdad is with the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington. They have the coronavirus projection model. And looking at it, the uh, the news is not good. Looks like we are on track here in Washington State to more than double the number of deaths by uh, February 1st. Yes, uh, we are heading into winter and we're moving indoors. So we are projecting for Washington between now and February 1st, 4,600 deaths. But if 95% of us wear a mask when we are outside our home, this number goes down to 3,400. So we can save about 800 lives if we all of us wear a mask. Is that what's driving this then? Is it that people are spending more time indoors because of the weather and just getting tired of masking up? Is that your evaluation? Yes, it's a combination of the weather, of course, and uh, people are letting down their guards. So the season moves us indoors, so we are socializing indoors. Also, we are tired of all of us, tired of being in a lockdown or avoiding our friends. And once we move indoors, the virus is more likely to spread. Yes. I think what this the underlying issue here is looking for some way to police this without having to uh, impose general rules, even on areas that are already doing the right thing. I mean, that's a very good point. So basically what you want in any super event or uh, spreader, what we call a big gathering, and or uh, a person who's asymptomatic and come in contact with a lot of people, the key message here is the following, and it applies whatever the source is. Wear your mask, stay away from each other. Assume you are infected and wear your mask so you don't infect others. Assume others are infected, stay away from them so you don't get infected. But what you're talking right now, as we move indoors, which is very uh, why we are concerned with winter coming in, events that happen indoors tend to be among friends and people that you know. I mean, you invite to your house or to an event. And then 
usually you let down your guard when you are indoor as a human being we feel safer safer indoors and also around our friends we feel safer so we are concerned that what you're talking about a super spreader event is people are getting indoors and then relaxing uh, and basically not wearing the mask and not paying attention to the distance safe distance yeah so back to your predictions for washington state uh is there any indication that we will uh, come close again to to uh, bumping against the available ICU beds for the number of people who are expected to come down with the virus in the coming months? If we don't uh, wear our mask when we are outside, yes. Unfortunately, around mid-January, we will have a pressure on our ICU capacity here in the state. But again, keep in mind, this varies between locality. So in places like where we where we live, you and I, I'm assuming you are in Seattle, uh, we have more capacity for a surge and we have much more has- hospitals than on the east side of mm-hmm. our state. But that would mean then that potentially patients on the east side would have to be taken here, I guess. Exactly. So we, for us to be able to take care of everybody in the States, yes, we may have in January, unfortunately, to move patients around. Right now in our States, we are at 76% wearing masks. We can do much better. And mobility, unfortunately, is increasing in our state. And we are right now at minus 19% from what we used to see in January. So people are starting to move around in our state. So we're talking about February now. So we're getting pretty close to one year since we first learned about this. And I mean, it's coming back. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to be going away. So is, can we, can we say that once we get past next February, um, assuming there's a vaccine in place, we should start seeing some progress here? I'm optimistic about the possibility of having a vaccine by the beginning of next year. So there are so many vaccines right now that are in phases three and that uh, they are very promising but quite honestly, I don't think all of us will be vaccinated until the third quarter of 2021 because the sheer number of people who need a vaccine. Really? So we could still have substantial numbers of unvaccinated people until, what, next September? It's possible because, remember, we have 330 million. You have to deliver 330 million vaccine and have people to deliver those vaccines. So hopefully right now, the National Academy of Science put recommendations how to roll out these vaccine, basically medical staff first, people who are older than 65, then essential workers, then the rest of the public in the United States. So depending on what vaccine is successful and how many doses we have already purchased, we can automatically start vaccinating using even something like uh, the testing that we're doing right now. When you drive through and you are tested, we can do the same drive through and get vaccinated. So we have plans how to deliver the vaccine, but it's, uh, again, 330 million doses that you have to distribute and make people available to give them. Dr. Ali Mokdad of the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, University of Washington. Dr. Mokdad, thank you very much. Thank you. Two large-scale COVID-19 vaccine trials are on pause, but vaccine experts say the public should actually be reassured by Eli Lilly and Johnson & Johnson halting their trials. CBS medical contributor Dr. David Agus called it a prudent move by Eli Lilly, which cited safety concerns in its drug-making process. These safety concerns investigations are routine on clinical trials, and when a patient has a significant side effect, Then they investigate and say, is it related to the drug? And he explains what happens next. In several days, the Data Safety Monitoring Board 
which is the board that reviews the safety of the trial, will make a determination about continuing the trial um, or not. As for Johnson & Johnson, it is halting phase three trials of its COVID-19 vaccine, and that comes after one of the participants had an unexplained illness. The question now becomes, was that illness caused by the vaccine? 60,000 people are taking part in this study, and this is the second phase three trial to be put on hold. AstraZeneca's was placed on hold last month and remains paused here in the U.S. So why should we feel good about all this? Well, I think it's because the process is working as it should, right? I mean, with the AstraZeneca trial, we knew that somebody got sick. They hit the pause button. Uh, I believe in Britain right now where that trial is taking place they're back on it. They're, they've resumed that trial. Uh, here in the U.S., the FDA is conducting its own research, and it's it's obviously not taking part here yet. But I mean, yeah, I think what uh, Dr. David Agus had said earlier, Johnson & Johnson and Eli Lilly hitting the pause button should actually reassure people that they are committed to making the vaccine as safe as possible. And again, even if one person gets sick and they don't know why, they're going to stop and reexamine. Right. And the reason is because even though we're talking about a study of 60,000 people, which sounds like a lot, when you're talking about a vaccine which could go out to, frankly, billions of people, uh, if there is anything that indicates a problem with the vaccine that could affect a small number in a 60,000-person study, it would be obviously a much larger number when it's released to the general population. UW Medicine and Fred Hutch are teaming up to test a promising COVID-19 antibody cocktail it is the same one given to President Trump at the hospital last week. Shelley Karuna is with Fred Hutch and says they're recruiting local volunteers for this. There's early data that's been published that these antibodies do seem to be having an impact. They do seem to be reducing the length of illness and the severity of illness or the likelihood that someone will have an illness so severe that they need to seek medical care. If you'd like to volunteer for this, there are requirements. You need to be living with somebody who's tested positive for COVID-19 within the last four days. Some movie theaters are reopening in Seattle and King County this Friday. Capacity is capped at 25%. Most of the theaters reopening are national chains like AMC and Cinemark. Regal is not reopening. Many locally owned neighborhood theaters will also stay closed, citing safety concerns. There's the usual masks and hand sanitizer. Theaters will stagger movie times to keep crowds in the lobby smaller. And much like on airplanes, concessions are allowed. You can take your mask off in the theater to eat your popcorn, but you have to put it back on afterwards. You're on your own to space yourself out from other moviegoers. Theaters say they are not planning to block off any seats. Dave, Hmm. you want to go see a movie this weekend? Well... This is going to be tough unless it's one of those theaters where you can reserve seats because typically I arrive for a movie when it's already dark Mm. and it's already hard to see where the seats are. And if you're trying to space yourself in the dark without breathing on somebody as you you cross in front of them, I think that might be difficult. So if if they're going to do that, they should probably leave the lights on a little bit longer uh, than they do. But in the theaters where they reserve seats like you do on an airline – That should be easy to solve, right? Just go ahead and block off enough seats in your reservation system to keep people apart. When I heard about this story, I thought of the movie 
Outbreak. Do you remember that movie with uh, Dustin Hoffman? Uh, I didn't see that one. I okay. saw the one, I saw the Andromeda Strain, the, oh. one, the, the really old one. I haven't seen that. There's this scene, though, in the movie Outbreak where this guy contracts this very deadly virus and goes to a movie. He's very ill, and he starts coughing and coughing, and it's a funny movie that they're watching. And as he's coughing, all these little speckles, all these little droplets start, you know, mm-hmm. flying through the air and entering people's mouths as they're breathing in. So, um... That's what I thought of. So I guess that answers uh, the question of whether I Maybe the key to stopping the threat is to compel everyone to see that scene. (laughs) Positive COVID tests are slowing down the Joe Biden campaign. His running mates, Kamala Harris, is suspending travel after two people on her team contracted the coronavirus. The campaign says her communications director and a flight crew member tested positive after a recent trip. And the campaign says Joe Biden had no exposure, though he and Harris did spend several hours together in Arizona last week. It also says neither she nor Biden had any contact with the infected individual since testing positive or in the 48-hour period prior to those positive results. President Trump, meanwhile, is in the midst of a busy travel schedule this week. He returns to the campaign trail after the National Institutes of Health confirmed that he is no longer capable of spreading coronavirus to others. Everyone fighting to recover from the virus. I feel your pain because I felt your pain. And we will beat this virus together. That was the president during a rally in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, where he spoke directly to people who've had COVID-19. Who's had it? Who's had it here? Who's had it? Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people. Well, you're the people I want to say hello to because you're right now immune you're right now immune. Or they say that. You know, they hate to admit it because I had it. So in the old days, they said, well, if you have it, you're immune for life, right? Once I got it, they give you four months. They say you're immune. <laughs> you know, is anybody else but me, you're immune for life. All right. Uh, let's kind of talk about right now what we know about immunity so far. Um, there's been several studies done on people who've had the virus. One of the larger ones actually took place in Iceland. They Uh, They looked at about 1,200 patients who recently had a positive test. They tracked their antibodies over time. About 90% in that group saw their antibody levels rise during the first two months after diagnosis, and then they plateaued the following two months. So that would seem to indicate, yeah, about that four-month window that we know right now it seems like you're going to be in good shape. You probably will be immune for about four months. Um, But also... We should note that there are several cases around the world where people are being reinfected with the coronavirus. Here in Seattle, um, there is a man who is the third person in the United States to be infected twice. He was at a local nursing home. He tested positive in March. He was in the hospital for a month. Uh, And then five months later, this guy who's in his 60s got sick again. Genetic testing has now confirmed that that second bout was a reinfection and was not the result of a relapse. Again, this uh, patient is one of about 20 people worldwide confirmed to have experienced a reinfection. Um, So, you know, the president saying in the old days, the virus isn't even a year old, but uh, in the old days, they used to say you were immune for life. That's never really been the case because we know so little about this virus still. Well, no. And if it's a coronavirus, it's like the common cold. And as you know, you can get a cold every year or several times a year. So, uh, yeah, we don't know much about it yet. It would mean, I guess, that even if you've had it, it might be good in certain indoor situations that we're now all familiar with to continue wearing the mask anyway. Yeah. Uh, Also on the campaign trail this week, 
Joe Biden told Florida seniors that President Trump sees them as expendable. Because Donald Trump is simple. Not a joke. You're expendable. You're forgettable. You're virtually nobody. That's how he sees seniors. That's how he sees you. We know that the high-risk groups are in that senior age range. This is a you think this is an effective tactic, though, Dave, from the Biden campaign? Well, I think he's trying to convince people that the reason that the U.S. has such a high infection rate and a high mortality rate is because of the way the president has handled this virus. And it's certainly certainly natural when you're campaigning among senior citizens to point out that in a very large number of cases, that means older people. There are opinion polls suggesting that the uh, challenger has a 10-point advantage over Mr. Trump nationally, but his lead in some states is narrower. In Florida, which, of course, is home to a lot of elderly people, he is 3.7 percentage points ahead, according to an average of polls collated by Real Clear Politics. Trump narrowly won Florida in 2016 in a result that was buoyed by senior voters, so I think Joe Biden is certainly eager to build on that. Prime Minister of Canada Justin Trudeau says the border is not reopening until U.S. coronavirus cases go down. In a radio interview on Wednesday, he said his plan is to keep extending his border closure. Right now, non-essential travel between the U.S. and Canada is restricted until October 21st. He's faced a lot of pressure to change this from the Canadian tourism industry and airlines, but... I don't know if I can blame Mr. Trudeau up there in Canada. Yeah, well, uh, is their record better than ours? I was are they getting better compliance to, than we? just about we to look at the numbers in Canada, actually. And the U.S. has about 680 deaths per million people, whereas Canada has 270 million deaths per million people. So that's about three times higher here in the U.S. Yep, sounds like that border's going to be closed for a while. A surprise announcement from the doctor who has led our state's fight against the pandemic. With mixed emotions, um, I want to let you know that I will be leaving the Department of Health. Washington State Health Officer Dr. Kathy Lofi, who has been in her position for seven years and led efforts against not only COVID-19, but also the opioid epidemic and more. She says this was her call. She's expected to exit around the end of the year. Tune in next Thursday as we discuss more of the latest coronavirus news. You can subscribe to this podcast and also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.